0: So we saw in the very first few verses of Luke's Gospel, a little while back, that Luke's purpose in writing was to give his friend Theophilus certain knowledge about Jesus. And today in this passage, Luke wants to show us how Jesus Christ has absolute authority. Luke wants us to to have dialed up in our minds our understanding of just how much authority Jesus has. And that's crucial. Think about it like this, see if this helps you. Imagine that while in university, you meet a friend, fellow student there, seems like an ordinary guy, you become friends, then you both graduate, and a few weeks after you graduate, he emails you from his home country and invites you to come visit him. So you get on a plane, fly to visit him, your plane lands, and you step out onto the steps, ready to to walk down the steps to to the, ground level there you see him down there but behind him are thousands and thousands and thousands of soldiers immaculately uniformed spit polished I mean they're just looking amazing and so you say whoa and you walk down the steps and you greet your friend and he greets you and then he turns around and faces the soldiers and says attention and they all snap to perfectly aligned giving him their full attention and you're thinking okay uh, my friend is not just an ordinary guy he he has authority over thousands of soldiers and that would change how you think about him from that point on wouldn't it that would change how you feel about him I mean he would have just risen up in your mind as a result of that that authority now this morning in Luke chapter 4 Luke wants us to understand that Jesus is not just an ordinary guy. Luke wants us to understand that Jesus is not even one of many religious leaders. Luke wants us to see that Jesus has absolute authority over everything, over everything. He wants to change us, therefore, as we see that, change how we think about Jesus and change how we feel about Jesus. So let's turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. That's the section we're going to be studying. And that section breaks down into five smaller sections, and each of them has a crucial role to play in what Luke wants to show us and how he wants to impact us. So let's start with this first section, which is verses 31 to 32, and ask, what does Luke highlight about Jesus' teaching? Verse 31 and 32. And he, Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. So what happens here is that Jesus goes from his hometown Nazareth to Capernaum, and while he's there in Capernaum, he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he's asked to teach. So he does teach. And what Luke highlights about Jesus' teaching is that he has authority he has such authority in his teaching that all those listening to him are astonished whoa now what was it about jesus teaching that showed such authority luke does not tell us so i I looked through the gospels matthew mark luke and john to see if i could find some clues about what it was that made his teaching have such authority And I found the answer in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. The reason I say that the answer is found here is because I want you to look at what Matthew says happened right after Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Look at what Matthew tells us. And when Jesus finished these sayings, that's the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Okay, now, since people responded to Jesus' teaching of the Sermon on the Mount with astonishment at his authority, that means that we should be able to look at what Jesus did teach in the Sermon on the Mount, and we should be able to see what it is about his teaching that gave it such authority. So I looked through the Sermon on the Mount. Let me give you a couple of observations of what I saw. First of all, the very first line of the Sermon, Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 Jesus says Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Now notice Jesus doesn't back the statement up by referring to past rabbis or other teachers or even verses from the Old Testament Jesus does not need to quote anyone else with any other authority because he is the authority and the reason Jesus is the authority, the reason he has absolute authority is, as we've seen throughout Luke's gospel so far, he is fully man, but he is not just fully man. He's also fully God. He is God in the flesh. In Jesus, God is walking on the earth, which means that therefore Jesus as God has absolute authority. Next illustration, Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Jesus says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Now here Jesus says that the Old Testament is perfectly true truth from God. But now, what basis does Jesus have for saying this? Notice those first six words. For truly I say to you. He does not need to support what he says by referring to any other authority because he is fully God who has absolute authority. Another illustration from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 43. This is amazing. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Love your enemies. Okay, Jesus is saying here that what you've heard from other teachers is wrong. Now, how can Jesus say that? What gives him the right to say that? It's because Jesus, as God, has all authority, has absolute authority. They are wrong, and Jesus declares that they're wrong because he is the authority. Another example, Matthew seven twenty three. Now, this is where Jesus talks about the final day of judgment at the end of history. Sobering words. He's speaking here to false teachers, false prophets. He says, and then I will declare to them, these false teachers, these false prophets, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is saying that at the end of history, he will have authority to decide who is going to be cast into hell and who will be welcomed into heaven. When Jesus on that final day says to someone, depart from me into hell, that's what will happen because Jesus has absolute authority. Last example. Again, we're looking at all these ways that Jesus' authority, Jesus' teaching has such authority that people are astonished at it. Here's the last illustration I want to give you. Matthew 7, 24 through 26. I may condense it a little bit, but here's what he says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now think about what Jesus is saying here. Everyone's life will either end up being built on the rock, which means God's judgment will not affect you, or it will be built on the sand, which means God's judgment will destroy you. So Jesus is saying that our eternal destinies, I mean, think about that word eternal, your eternal destiny depends on hearing and doing his words. Because Jesus' words have absolute authority because Jesus is fully God. Okay, so do you see how the Sermon on the Mount helps us see how Jesus taught with such authority that the people listening to him were astonished. Jesus does not defer to anyone else. Jesus does not need to be backed up by anyone else. Jesus just simply speaks because his words have absolute authority because he is fully God. Now with that in mind, let's turn back to Luke chapter 4 verses 31 to 32. And again, read these verses. That Luke gives us verse 31 and he Jesus went down to Capernaum a city of Galilee and he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority okay so in this first section of of this passage from Luke that we're studying Luke wants us to understand that Jesus taught with such authority that people were astonished Jesus, clearly the way he spoke, he has absolute authority. Jesus is God in the flesh explaining reality to us. Here's the reality of what's going on. So I would encourage you, read the Gospels. That's where we find Jesus teaching most clearly. Read and study the Gospels and, of course, the whole Bible. Read the whole Bible, but don't neglect the Gospels. Now, let me just give you... A quick summary from one of the gospels john chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 a summary of jesus teaching just because i don't i want to make sure that you get the gospel you get the, the core of what jesus is saying and it's right here in these three verses and again this jesus spoke these words with absolute authority because he is fully god everything he says is perfectly true and authoritative truth john three sixteen. start with verse 16. For God so loved the world. This is Jesus' teaching that He gave His only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Here, Jesus is telling us what our problem is. It's that we're going to perish forever unless something changes because of our sin. We've sinned against God. Unless something changes, we will face His judgment in hell forever. But, God loved the world, Jesus says, and sent him, sent Jesus. And why did God send Jesus? Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So God sent Jesus into the world to save the world. Jesus died on the cross. He was punished in the place of everyone, who would put their trust in Jesus. He received the punishment upon himself for the sins of everyone who would trust him. And so when we repent of our sin, when we turn away from our sin and trust Jesus to forgive us, trust Jesus to change us, trust Jesus to satisfy us with himself, we will be saved through him. Then verse 18, Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. We're saved. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So that's Jesus. That's the Son of God, fully God, God in the flesh, with absolute authority telling us what our problem is, telling us what God has done to take care of our problem, telling us what we must do to be saved from our problem. That's the truth. That's reality. That's what Jesus taught. So let me ask you, are you trusting Jesus? Grace Church, just let this question just probe the depths of your heart. There's no more important question. Are you trusting Jesus to forgive all your sins? You understand that you can't be good enough to make up for your sin. You need to come to God just desperate for his mercy, you need grace, you need mercy, you can't do anything to save yourself. Oh, but he's done everything which is needed to be saved. And so you come to him and you trust him to forgive you. And then you trust him to change you. You can't change yourself, but he will, the moment you trust him, he'll start to progressively change you. You'll become closer to him. You will love him more. Sin will progressively be conquered in your life. Trust him to change you and then trust him to satisfy you he is your all satisfying treasure. Grace church, are you are we each of us individually trusting Jesus Christ? He has absolute authority in what he says. What he says is the truth. We must trust him. Now, Luke has more he wants to say though about Jesus authority. So let's look at this next section, the second section in this passage, Luke verses Luke chapter 4 verses 33 to 37. And let's ask What or how else does Jesus exercise authority? Shocking passage. Start with verse 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. Now, let's just pause there. Jesus is in the synagogue. And during worship, a man with a demon cries out. Now, we have to ask the question, what are demons? Well, demons, the Bible is very clear. Demons are real, supernatural beings who were created as angels, but who rebelled against God, and now they are pure evil. And they are far more powerful than we are in ourselves. Not more powerful than Jesus is, but more powerful than we are in ourselves. I mean, think of what we read in the Gospels. We read that demons can completely control people. Uh, Think about the woman who was bent over double by a demon for 18 years. Think about the man who is oppressed by a whole army of demons. He's living out in the tombs, screaming and cutting himself just in total agony and oppression. Think of the demon who kept throwing a man's or trying to throw a man's son into the water to drown him into like a lake to drown him or into fire to burn him. Now, some people make the mistake of thinking that demons are everything. Every sickness is caused by a demon. All mental health issues are caused by demons. That's not what the Bible says. Some are, and some are not. So some people make the mistake of thinking that demons are everything. Other people make the mistake of thinking that demons don't even exist. They think that it's just, you know, pre scientific, primitive people who believed in in demons science has proven that there's no such thing as demons well that's just not the case the bible is very clear that there are demons and so jesus is in the synagogue and during worship a man with an unclean spirit a demon shouts out and and the greek word used for shouting out describes this loud shrieking and he says ha what have you to do with us jesus of nazareth i think he's just kind of scornful here Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Wow. Would have just upset everything in in the synagogue service. So what did Jesus do? Now, in the first century, we have evidence of what Jewish leaders often tried to do to cast demons out of people at that time. They had complicated techniques and incantations. Sometimes they tried to sing some certain songs that they thought maybe would cast the demon out. Sometimes they tried to immerse the person in water, maybe thinking, I don't know, to try to frighten the demon, that he should leave, this person's going to drown. Sometimes they tried to to fumigate it with burning some herbs. Maybe, oh, that just stinks. I'm getting out of this person, the demon might say. Sometimes they tried to find out what was motivating. They would dialogue with the demon. What's motivating you? Why are you here? To try to coax him out for some reason. What did Jesus do, though? Verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed, all the people in the synagogue. And so it said to one another, what is this word? For with authority, see there's this authority again, and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So this demon shouts out scornfully, mockingly towards Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He did not sing or fumigate or coax the demons. He simply rebuked the demons. He commanded the demon to come out, be silent and come out of him. And the demon came out of him. So see, this is a beautiful picture. Jesus has absolute authority over Satan and over demons. When he commands Satan to do something, Satan does it because Jesus has absolute authority. When Jesus commands a demon to do something, the demon does it because jesus has absolute authority so one implication of this i just want to draw out for us this means that no follower of jesus should ever be afraid of demons or of satan now we do experience satanic. demonic attack Paul in Ephesians 6 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood as we're battling temptation we wrestle against the rulers and the authorities and the world powers over this present darkness we're wrestling demonic powers as we're fighting against sin but we don't need to fear them because they are completely under the authority of Jesus Christ now why then are they still at work in the world? And the reason is because God's plan of salvation is not complete yet. The end of history is not here yet. And in the meantime, God in his wisdom allows Satan and demons to operate, although they can't do anything apart from God's permission, like we see in the book of Job. That's why those of us who are in Christ do not need to fear them at all. But listen, the day is coming at the end of history when you will see Jesus standing over Satan and millions, all millions of his demons. And Jesus' eyes are going to be blazing with fire and with wrath. And he will cry out to hell with you. And they will all shrieking be cast into hell to be punished by God forever. So... Luke here is now giving us a second picture of Jesus' authority, authority over demons. And so Jesus has complete authority in teaching and complete authority over demons. But Luke wants to teach us even more about Jesus' authority. What else does Luke say about Jesus' authority? Look at what Luke tells us, starting in verse 38. And he, Jesus, arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon Peter's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them." Now the word authority is not used in this section, but notice that the word rebuke is used, which is also a picture of authority. And so these verses still describe Jesus' authority. He comes into the house of Simon Peter, where Peter's mother-in-law was sick with what Luke calls a high fever. And the fact that he calls it a high fever shows that this was serious. And Jesus rebuked the fever, just like he rebuked the demon. And the fever left her, so she was healed so completely that she immediately got up and began to serve them. Okay, now, you might be thinking, wait a minute. Fevers are caused by infections because the body is fighting against the infection. The body's fighting hard and that raises the temperature of the body. And so fevers aren't, you don't get rid of fevers by commanding them to go. That never happens. Fevers don't go away just because someone tells them to. Well, that might be true, except for one thing. The person telling this fever to go away is Jesus. And the moment he commanded the fever to leave, the infection left her body. Her body returned entirely to normal. The body stopped fighting the infection because the infection had left. Everything in the body returned to complete, full health. See, because Jesus has absolute authority over every bacterium, over every cell, over every disease, over every virus, including the coronavirus. Jesus has absolute authority over sickness. So just really get this firm in your mind, church. Let's, let's really understand this clearly. Jesus has absolute authority over sickness. So when Jesus commands blind eyes to see, they see when jesus commands paralyzed bodies to walk they walk when jesus commands lame legs to jump they jump when he commands dead bodies to live lazarus come forth lazarus dead body became alive and came forth jesus has absolute authority over everything and so when he commands Sickness obeys. Okay, so we've seen, Luke has showed us, Jesus has absolute authority in teaching. He has absolute authority over demons, the whole spiritual world. And he has absolute authority over sickness. But Luke wants to give us one last picture of Jesus' authority in action. It's a beautiful picture. Let's read verses 40 and 41 and ask, what happens that evening? This is Sabbath night, Saturday evening. What happens? Verses 40 and 41. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he, Jesus, laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. And he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So what's happening here? Word had gotten out. Everybody's talking about Jesus. There was a demon in the synagogue. He just commanded it. My mother-in-law had a very high fever. He rebuked it. The word was getting out. And so everybody who knew of anybody who was sick in any way brought them all together to Jesus. It's an amazing picture here. So Just picture this. Paralyzed people. Blind people. Deaf people lame people people in stretchers people in chronic pain people in agony people suffering what a heartbreaking group of people and jesus laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them all but there's more he cast out many demons and they came out crying you are the son of god they knew it just convinced i saw it displayed obviously they knew it they knew who jesus was but but then jesus rebuked them and told them not to speak because they knew that he was the christ the messiah that might be because he was concerned that they would not accurately describe what it meant for him to be the messiah or it might mean that jesus as we'll see in the next section jesus didn't want to draw a a large crowd there because he was going to be leaving that town to go preach elsewhere But what's the point then of this section in verses 40 and 41, this huge crowd of sick people, people who are demonized, and Jesus again takes care of all of them. What's the point of this? We've seen that Jesus has all authority. But when you think about it, authority is not necessarily good news for those of whom, those who are under authority. Because authority can be abused, right? Authority can be oppressive. Authority can bring harm to people. And so Luke wants to give us a beautiful picture of how Jesus' authority operates when it's in action. And I think what he does here is he he wants us to think of a before and an after picture. Here's the before picture. There's paralyzed people, blind people, deaf people, suffering people, dying people. There's demonically oppressed people who are screaming and in agony and cutting themselves. And and there's this just pain and suffering, this horrible situation, heartbreaking situation of all these people. That's the before picture. But then when Jesus exercises his authority, everything changes. The after picture is the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame and the paralyzed are jumping up and down together. The dying are revived and healthy, made whole. The demonically oppressed are free, at peace, restored, whole. Think of that before picture, and then Jesus exercises his authority and this beautiful transformation into the after picture. So when you think of Jesus' absolute authority, and it is absolute authority, but when you think of his absolute authority, don't think of abuse or oppression or harm think of love think of healing think of joy that's the result of Jesus exercising his authority think about it like this Jesus the one with absolute authority over everything loves us so much that he was willing to come and pay for sin on the cross I mean, that that picture, the combination of Jesus' sacrificial, costly love for us linked with his absolute authority. It's beautiful, beautiful picture. And that's what Luke wants us to see in this section here. But there's one last section. And we need to ask one last question. How does Luke complete this passage? How does he complete this section? And look at verses 42 to 44. Verse 42, when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Okay, so the next morning, what happens? Everybody woke up and they were all looking for Jesus. I mean, they all remember, last night was amazing. This person was healed. This person was freed. Where's Jesus? They're all looking for Jesus. So they run and they they find him and they beg him, stay here. Stay here with us. But he says, I can't. I must, I must go and preach to other towns also. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. That's why the father sent me. And I think what Luke wants to do in this section, I mean, he has so emphasized Jesus' absolute authority. And then in the last one we looked at, there's this before and after picture showing both Jesus' authority and that it operates with love. And I think he wants to once again highlight Jesus' love and compassion that motivates his authority. And, And we see Jesus' love because we understand he's not content to gather a crowd Jesus wants to save more people. There's lost people out there who need to be saved. There's people who are oppressed by sinners, people who need to be forgiven. He's going to preach to all the different towns to share the good news, to save as many as possible. So let's just sit back and, and, and kind of put this all together. Luke is showing us Jesus. The purpose for which he wrote this gospel was to show Theophilus and us certain truth about Jesus. We've seen in this passage Jesus' absolute authority and his tender compassion. His authority means we have to submit to him. His compassion makes us want to submit to him. It's important that we put both of these together. Again, his authority make, means that we have to submit to him. Think about his absolute authority in teaching, absolute authority over demons, absolute authority in healing as God. Jesus Christ has absolute authority. And so you must submit to his authority or you will lose everything forever. But now think also about Jesus' compassion. I mean, think about the man in the synagogue crying out with his unclean spirit. Jesus freed that man. He left that synagogue a new man, freed from that demon. Think about Jesus healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Compassion. Think about the before and the after picture. All the people who were freed and healed and restored as a result of Jesus' authority. So look also at Jesus' compassion. His authority shows that you must submit to him or you will lose everything forever. But his compassion makes you want to trust him. Makes you want to trust him. And when you do you will gain him and he is everything and you will gain him who is everything forever. So are you submitting to Jesus' authority? Are you seeing his compassion and his absolute authority so that you understand the full picture of who he is and so you don't just submit because you think you have to, but you submit because You want to. You trust his authority. You love his authority because you see his compassion. My urge to you, my my exhortation to you is see Jesus' authority, see his compassion, and submit yourself completely to Jesus this morning because you want to. Oh, and he will bless you. You will receive him in all of his forgiving power, all of his heart-changing power, all of his heart-satisfying power, you'll receive him now and forever. Submit to Jesus' authority because you want to, because you see his compassion. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, you would deeply impact us with the beautiful reality of who Jesus is as here described by Luke help us to see right now and feel Jesus absolute authority as the son of God fully man fully God help us to see and feel that and help us to see and feel Jesus tender compassion so that we gladly joyfully surrender our lives completely to Jesus Christ your holy son I pray that everyone listening to this right now would be completely submitted to Jesus' authority in every area of their lives. And Lord, you know, we know, we need your help to do that. So Lord, help us all. Help us submit every area of our lives to you because of your authority and because of your compassion. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.